the Lord, Lord teaches me ways, and I, I assume he does it with everybody, but it, it, it is definitely uh, when I sit down with his word, primarily when I sit down with his word, right. but sometimes when the text, you know, you just, maybe you're reading Leviticus and you're like, man, that just in sinking. I don't know how to apply that. <laughs> don't, don't boil meat in its mother's milk. I don't, you know, I wasn't yeah. planning on doing that today, but yeah. I won't, Lord. <laughs> uh, like, so, you know, you're like, okay, well, but what's it, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the text was, was, um, me, you know, showing Lord the discipline that I'm, I'm here and, and eager to hear, but the message is going to come some, from somewhere else. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome to the Take and Read podcast. Chad here with you, and I'm so honored to have a repeat guest of Chet Garner, the day tripper, and my friend, Hey, I'll take it as a compliment. You had me back. Yes, I wasn't absolutely. sure after the first one if I was like, <laughs> you yeah, didn't hear from me for bad a while. idea on that guy. <laughs> uh, so he's also fellow uh, Rona survivor. Um, <laughs> Have we survived yet? Yeah, well, we're, we're coming. We're in, coming out of in it. In theory, we're coming out of quarantine now. But uh, the nice thing is having it at the same time is, although we're quarantined from the world, we don't have to quarantine from each other. That's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We can swap as much stuff. Let's just put our, both of our coffee cups in the middle, and whoever. Yeah, you know, and we can just drink out of the same. Yeah, yeah. it's perfect. All right. <laughs> Well, uh, if you're joining us, welcome to the Take and Read podcast, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to jump in uh, to the Word here in a minute, Uh, but I just want to thank you for joining us, uh, and I'm glad to have Chet. Again, what we do on this podcast, uh, we get into the Word. We take, and we read, and we wrestle with it, and then we go on our day. And uh, as a a follower uh, of Christ, this is is normative. This is every day. This Mm -hmm. should be our daily bread. As, as, as it says. But Amen. Be, before we jump in, uh, when I had you on the first time as a first-time guest, you kind of walked through how you spend time in the Word uh-huh. and what that time looks like. Uh, I'd love for you right now to kind of fill us in on two things. One, how does the Lord regularly kind of teach you or show you things? Like how do you become aware that the Lord's in a season of life kind of teaching you something and taking you through something. And the second thing, what is that right now? Mm, what mm. are you, what is he teaching you? What are you learning? That's good. That's good. Well, I come with an expectation that the Lord is always teaching me something. Um, and so when I'm not receiving, uh, let's say, let's say there's, there's not so much clarity as to what I'm receiving at a certain moment. I don't say, well, the Lord's not teaching me anything. I'm mad at him. Or, you know, there's a lot of times people throw up their hands like it's just a quiet season and I'll right. just go about my own way. Like, no, Lord, Lord often teaches me stuff through the quiet that Chet, you know, this you're not thinking about this hard or you're missing what I'm trying to teach you. It's not that, uh, you know, maybe 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 the Lord's working something 
uh, outside of just the text that I'm reading and I need to be keyed into the way I'm interacting with my family, with my wife, with my coworkers. Um, so the Lord, Lord teaches me ways and I, I assume he does it with everybody, but it, it, it is definitely uh, when I sit down with his word, primarily when I sit down with his word. Right. But sometimes when the text, you know, you just maybe you're reading Leviticus and you're like, man, that just in sinking. I don't know how to apply that. Don't <laughs> don't boil meat in its mother's milk. I don't you know, wasn't yeah. planning on doing that today, but yeah. I won't. Lord, <laughs> uh, like so, you know, you're like, OK, well, but what's it? You know, maybe 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 the text was was um, me, you know, showing Lord the discipline that I'm, I'm here and, and eager to hear but the message is going to come some from somewhere else. And so you talk about not only is it from the word, but it can also be other cues in your life. And is that primarily bec- like your wife or just in walking with other believers? And does it just come from things they observe or is it also from their time in the word? Um, all of the above. Okay. All of the above. I mean, the richest conversations that I have with my friends hinge around the Lord's word. Mm-hmm. And so when I've been reading the Lord's word and I share what God's taught me through the word and then they don't right in response or uh, I can tell maybe they're they're not spending a lot of time in the Lord's word, then it's sort of I don't want to say it dead ends the conversation. We always have football and stuff to talk about (laughs) and things like that (laughs) and barbecue. But conversations are so much richer Mm -hmm. when what the Lord's teaching me somehow works in concert with what the Lord's teaching you. Right. And we get to encourage one another as brothers because, you know, this has been something the Lord's taught me recently. It's that my ideas uh, are meant to be, or the things the Lord's teaching me may only be a piece of what the Lord's plan is in fellowship with other people. Right. right? And so I don't get the full picture. The Lord didn't give me the full picture. He gave me a piece of the puzzle and he gave you another piece. And by working as the body together, it's when that mm. that puzzle is going to start to come into view. Yeah, there's something to be said about a community of, of believers, right? The church, yeah, the body of Christ, all in fellowship with one another, engaging in individual fellowship with the Lord but also corporate fellowship with the Lord, right? Yeah. That every individual is reading the scriptures and seeking the Lord on a regular basis. There's the times that they come together and seek the Lord corporately, right? Through Sunday worship. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But then there's something about when believers, maybe one or two gather, spend time in the word together and pray, or they come to the table, both having spent time with the Lord and then share. And yeah. you're talking about all of those ways. Yeah kind of construct the Lord's instruction to you in a particular season. Yep. Yep. I think that's awesome. That's true for me too. And so what is, and you kind of reference a little bit, something the Lord's teaching you now. Unpack that a little bit. Okay. Something the Lord, I've been studying, and this is what we're studying at church right now. It's uh first Corinthians 12. It's it's spiritual gifts, right? Okay. And so I'm hyper-focused right now on what the Lord is trying to teach me, one, about my own spiritual gifts, but number two, how I am called, because one of mine is leadership, how I'm called to 
to call them out of other people. Yeah. And so I'm really it's it's a it's a tough place to be in when you're like I, I the Lord the Lord is calling me right now saying I I love the work. Uh, I like getting down to the gritty. I like doing the work. I like when I'm making the day tripper editing. I can go into a cave just and, and just hammer out the work. Are you one of those guys that when you're hammering out the work, do you have like a Twizzler in your mouth and you're just <laughs> dialed in and you're just getting it? <laughs> I'm probably sh- chewing on anything within reach. <laughs> I've got a like a oral fixation. So it's a straw, it's a lid, it's yeah. a whatever. Um so, but, but, but here's the deal. Leadership doesn't happen in the work because the work is, is in often in my, my world void of other people. It's something mm-hmm. that happens in my head. So if I'm to do the spiritual gift of leadership, I'm going to have to put the work aside and the work becomes the people. Yeah. And so I've got to refocus on encouraging everyone around me. And empowering, and empowering them to do the work. Them to do the work, okay. which is a tough place for me because I do love the work. Yeah, and so I've got to um, sacrifice some of it, or just say, you know, I can't treat that as primary. The people are primary, and the work will be secondary. Um, it's like so, a, it's like a, a player, you know, a, a professional athlete that turns coach. Yeah, I wonder yeah. how many of them struggle with like. They they're in the game because they love to play the game. Yeah, and then they've got to kind of make this transition to I've I need to empower others to play at their highest level of the game. Yeah, and there's a point at which you go, I don't I don't get to play the game anymore. I get to help others play the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's right. There's like a a mourning, right? There's a, a sadness. There has, I would assume, yeah. There yeah. there would have to be. There would have to be. So. It's spiritual gifts, and then you know uh, some of my kids are believers, some or not, or have have yet to really show me they've given their life to Christ, and so those believers have been already given by the Spirit their spiritual gifts. So how can I, as a dad, encourage them to yeah. to sort of pin that down? I didn't think about my spiritual gifts until I got to college, maybe further along yeah. than college. And and now I'm going to look at an 11 year old and say, listen, you got to figure this out, kid. Right. I don't want to put too much pressure on her. Um, but I, um, I also don't want her to be unaware that she's got a way to serve the kingdom and for another 20 years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's funny you talk about you first encountered spiritual gifts. I remember the first conversation I had about it. I was so lost my, uh, I was in high school and my pastor comes in and he said, Hey, do you know about spiritual gifts? And I was like, you mean like Bibles and cross necklaces? And <laughs> like, I was thinking that, he was, that I can buy, he was referencing like family general store. spiritual trinkets, yeah, that, right, that, right, souvenirs or something, bookmarks, precious moments. Yeah. But, uh, no, um, yeah, it took me a while to understand, you know, these are things that, that, are revealed in scripture that God has clearly done in the life of believers so that the body of Christ working together can, can carry out the work of ministry. Yeah. There's a, a serving one another, but there's also a furthering of the kingdom that happens. And I remember when I kind of had that understanding, I was like, Oh, I want to find out what my superpower is. Right? Yeah. That, yeah. 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 That yeah. What's, what's my <laughs> unique, 
you know, like watching one of those superhero movies where they do I shoot lasers? Like they come into do their I, own and they kind of learn their gifting and their their special power. But uh, yeah, that's an interesting process. And there's surveys you can do. There's like spiritual gift assessments that can be taken. And and so if you're listening to the podcast and you're like, I've never heard of this. I don't know what they're talking about. Absolutely. Um, Go out there. It's read First Corinthians chapter twelve yeah. first, and then that's kind of the anchor on spiritual gifts in yeah. the Bible. There's a couple other verses, but read that, and then and then realize that uh, this the Lord over time, if you're keyed in on it, will start to reveal your spiritual gift. It'll be affirmed in the body of believers. Our spiritual gifts is yeah. not something we can go into a room and take a test. And realize because the body is where we work those things out. Yeah. And there's certainly you can desire certain gifts. Paul talks about desiring certain gifts, but then recognizing that, yeah, there's this affirmation by the people around you, the other Christians in your life that kind of affirm certain things. Or if you have a, a propensity towards, you know, hosting people and wanting everyone to feel comfortable in your home. There's the gift of hospitality. Yeah. There's the idea of leadership. And do you just have this tendency to, if there's tends to be a, a void or a gap in somebody casting vision and you step into that spot and, and you can see down the road um, in a way that other people kind of don't understand why you're always going that direction or a propensity towards teaching. Um, so yeah, check out first Corinthians 12 and Paul has a couple of other references that you can probably jump from after that, but that's cool, man. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's been good. So, I mean, I was just this, just this morning, uh, on the way here, the Lord was teaching me, teaching me some stuff. I, I tend to just, if, if I've got work to do, I tend to neglect the team around me so that I can get the work done. Mm-hmm. And that's not lead, that's not leadership. So I've got I gotta change the way I think a little bit about where the meaningful work for me is. Cause um anyway, Lord's always working, man. Lord's always Amen. always working. Do you see yourself looking at the week going, as the Lord is showing this to me, there's some ways I need to approach my week differently. Or there's some Yeah. Yeah. Some relationships I need to lean into, some conversations. I need to resource some people. Yep. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 uh, it's weird. I'm a, I'm a weird mix of brain in part. I like, I want to be very right brained, creative all the time, but then I'm also this list maker. And so like, I like to make a list, plan my week out, do, do, you know, kind of all the things I want to accomplish Mm -hmm. And then often that gets thrown out the window because uh, I'll get uh, it'll get railroaded by something. Right. Um, but uh, I, I I tend to make a plan, but then I'm very quick to be flexible on the plan. So I'm I'm, I'm both sides of my brain, but I like to plan my week out before I get into it. Yeah. Well, if you need a good leadership coach, I can point you in the right direction. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Shameless I heard plug. this. Yeah, yeah. All righty. Well, we're gonna jump into the word. We are in the Gospel of Mark. Mark. And All right. I didn't one. see. I so assume, but I did not know. Chet comes unaware, but not unprepared. And uh, we're we're getting towards the, the end of chapter two. So we're actually going to be in Mark chapter two, verses 18 through 21. 
All right. A, sh- a short little passage here. And so if you're reading along with us, we're in Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, actually. Yeah, 18 through 22. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read for us. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. So they came to Jesus and said, Why do the disciples of John and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot fast while the bridegroom is with them, can they? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they do not fast. But the days are coming when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and at that time they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and the tear becomes worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the skins will be destroyed. Instead, new wine is poured into new wineskins. Alrighty, so, and we are reading from the NET, the New English Translation today. And so, again, I try to rotate translations. Uh, But first of all, we want to jump in. We want to understand what is being said here. So are there some either names, concepts, things that we we need some clarity? And uh, first of all, right away, we got John and the Mm -hmm. Pharisees. John who? Who do you think we're talking about here? Well, he's got disciples. Yes. So that would be John the Baptist. John the Baptist. At least his disciples. Yep. Yep. So a group of followers that have seen John, this crazy man in the wilderness, eating wild locusts and wild honey, uh, shouting things on the edge of town and calling people to repentance. He's, He's gained this large group of people that are now following him around. But John would be the first to tell you, I am not... The Messiah, I am calling people, waiting for the Messiah. There's one to come after me. Yeah. You guys may be following me, but I'm only making a way for another one. Yeah. It's interesting, too, to think, uh, I think oftentimes we can hear the word disciple, and right away that's a very Christian word, right? It's a very Mm. Christianese kind of word that we use within Christianity. But to realize that Jesus wasn't the only one, he didn't invent discipleship. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. the only one with disciples, but discipleship was a thing. There would be a rabbi or a teacher, and that teacher would have students. Disciple simply means learner, and so there would be a, a group of learners around a rabbi or a teacher, and that teacher would kind of bear responsibility for the activities and the lifestyle of the learners that are trying to take and absorb his lifestyle as a whole. It wasn't just an intellectual pursuit. Mm. It would have been, I I have come to you and I want to be your disciple. I want to be your learner. And I want to follow you around to the extent that my life matches your life. It's cool. kind of scary to think about like today. Do we have some some teachers in our elementary schools and we're like, I don't know if I want my kids to be like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's others yeah. that you're like, Oh, that would rock if my kid turned out like that. That, that, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a whole new level of teacher-student relationship and to realize there were lots of rabbis at the time that had disciples, that had followers. And so I think that's something that's going on here. Yep. You got, well, you got John's disciples and then you've got 
the Pharisees. Um, and I can assume that they didn't agree on much. You know, the Pharisees and John's disciples, right? That these are kind of two very different ends of the societal spectrum because John, just who he was, was probably attracting a bit of a different crowd, right? That was outside of the religious norm. And the Pharisees, very much part of the religious norm, yeah, right? Yeah, um, but it's interesting, they agree on this, they, yeah, they, they do agree on fasting, uh huh, and yet Jesus confronts. That and they probably are fasting for different reasons, the Pharisees' disciples and John's disciples. And what and when Jesus is confronted, he clearly is trying to give them a new understanding about the place of fasting as a discipline to to either mourn something or as preparation and for a, an act of piety, right? To to focus one's kind of attention and affections on the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fasting something that I, I mean, I, it was a growing up. The idea that anybody would fast was like that. It's similar to putting on sackcloth and ashes, and you know, yes, mourning. It seemed and really like, ancient. Like that's something old people did. We don't need to do that anymore. Yes. Um, but I started fasting as an adult, um, and there was a part of my life where I, I did it weekly, and man, it was it was good. It was yeah. good. You want to talk about? You know, I'm, I love food just as my profession. Yeah. And when you strip food away from me, how needy I am on yeah, the Lord. It reveals a lot. It does. It All does. Right. I want to I want to explore more about your fasting practices okay. in a minute. I want to kind of pull from this. What else? If is there any other clarity that we need to understand or understanding what it says? Like he, we see. Okay, we have these two groups of disciples that are now kind of he's being approached so he's got these two groups of disciples pharisees john's approach jesus specifically and point out that his disciples don't fast so understanding too that there was a traditional uh kind of cadence of fasting in it at this time for the jews uh so you have the Jews fasting on, I believe, Mondays and Thursdays. Okay. Okay. And I don't know this. Yeah. So we have there's a there's a document out there called the Didache. That's D I D A C H E. Mm-hmm. It stands for the Teaching of the Twelve, and it was an early document that kind of uh, gave clarity and instruction on how the early church should be structured. So you could go out there and Google Didache and find it in English translations. And in there, it gives some insight into the early practices of fasting. And so you had uh, the Jewish community fasting twice a week, and then the Christians were instructed to fast twice a week, but on different days so that they could differentiate their fast from that of the, the Jews. Okay. okay. Very interesting. All that to say you've got this assumed practice that was going to be regularly held by the community. And there was also a sense in which fasting kind of was around the day of atonement as well. There was this preparation that would occur. Um, and so the assumption is that they're going to be, there's, there's this expected practice of fasting that's held by John's disciples and the Pharisees, probably for different reasons. John's was all about the preparation for the coming of the Messiah, whereas the Pharisees, they're not, they're not 
necessarily anticipating that or wanting that. Yeah, right. And so they're fasting for different reasons, but they're all fasting. And what Jesus is saying, this is not the time for that. So there is a time and a purpose for fasting, and Mm. he is confronting them on that. And I think that it comes out in these two analogies that he draws. So he, he brings up, here's why his disciples don't fast. The first one is a bridegroom uh, and its guests, they don't fast. They're having the party. Because they're in the midst of a wedding feast. Yeah. A wedding feast would be a multiple day celebration, probably around seven days of feasting and, and just having a good time. And you don't, you don't mourn, you don't fast, you don't, that's not the time for fasting, that's the time for feasting. Yeah. Yep. And so there's something about what Jesus is saying that his disciples know that this is, the bridegroom's here. This is, I'm present. So the honored guest of this festivities is here. There'll be a time when I'm not here and the, the bridegroom's gone and then they can engage yeah. in this practice. Right. And then the second one, he's talking about wineskins. Yeah, this one's this one's different. The for, well, the first one he talks about garments, you know, sewing old patches onto new, and then and then there's the wineskin one. And in in our culture, these are not two th- these these two things we do not deal with on the regular basis. Like I don't know when the last time you patched your pants was. I can't recall. Yeah, <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever, A time. ever. Or or pour new wine into old wineskins. Well, right. I got new wine. Do I use the old ones? Do or I get some new skin? wine skins? What do I? And so it seems like the common denominator here is is the idea of things changing in size. Yeah, yeah, that that's right. So shrinkage. That's right. One's expanding, one's shrinking. Yeah, but the idea that their their sizes are going to be different than the the thing they're being yeah connected yeah. with. So I. I mean, I guess just to just to help a little bit, you know, um, assume that all new clothing shrinks, right? Right. Like I guess that. back in the day, their all their clothing they never they didn't have pre shrunk cotton. They had everything shrank, and so if you had a six inch hole that you had to patch on a pair of pants, and you took a new and it's an old pair of pants that you've washed many times, yep. and then you take a six inch swatch that's a new swatch, you put it in that six inch hole. It fits perfect when you sew it. And the first time you wash it, that six-inch patch shrinks down, becomes a three-inch patch. And now it's you're, torn out. Now you're torn out. You you tried to take a new thing and put it on an old thing, and it only made the problem worse. These things are not meant to go together. There's a new, there's an old, and they don't go together. And so with the wine, you have this idea that a new wineskin would be a, a wineskin that has some elasticity to it. Yeah. It can... And so when wine is fermenting, it's expanding, right? There's, yeah. there's gases released and there's the fermentation process. And so it needs something, a container in which it can expand. And yeah. so an old wine skin has already expanded and is probably hard and brittle and can't expand anymore. So you put new wine in there and it's just going to burst. Yeah. Yeah. So how, okay, now let's move into, <laughs> we, I think we understand what's being said here. So what does it mean? Specifically, again, when we pull back, we're looking at Mark, we're understanding this is the earliest recorded account of, of the, the ministry, the life and ministry of Jesus. And Mark is trying to underscore the reality that Jesus 
is the Messiah, the Son of God. And as he's recording Jesus' own teaching here, what is Jesus telling us and the Pharisees, the ones that are challenging him from John and, and the Pharisees' disciples? What is he trying to indicate to us about fasting, his presence, the role of fasting in the life of a believer, the role of Christ in the life of a human? Like, what's going on here? Uh, he's clearly just underlying the point that they're at a crux of time, that there is there's the old is passing away, the new is about to come, and we're right in the middle at the celebration. And I'm here kind of as this bridge between the old and the new, yeah. and you don't miss this. Yeah. And, and then it was like, Hey guys, the bridegroom is here. The party is now. We should be feasting. And we are at this big turning point in time. Yeah. That's that's what 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 I what I take away from this. Yeah, that in 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 this case fasting for these two parties, the two different discipleship parties, so the the Johns and Pharisees would have been a way to draw close to God. It would have been a way to mourn loss, but it would have been a way, it would have been a normal practice for them unless they were in the presence of the Lord. And what Jesus is saying, I think you're right, that there is this particular point in, in historical time happening right now in your presence where the bridegroom, the, every, for every reason why you would have to fast is now absent because I'm here and and to be with me and to embrace this time with me and be in my presence and what he is anticipating there will be a time when the bridegroom is exited mm-hmm. and right. is no longer physically present in that same way and there will be an understanding that yes fasting will resume yeah and so I a lot of times people go, okay, this is a good instruction about fasting. And, and I think what it tells us is fasting did not go away. It was, it, yes, it was an old timey thing, but it is very much a, a present reality for the life of a believer. And it's, it's a discipline that is a gift mm-hmm. and not, mm-hmm. not a, a curse. It is, it's difficult and it reveals a lot about your heart, about your flesh, about your priorities and I think it should be utilized by Christians. If you have questions about fasting, um, like Chet mentioned, he fasts now as a part of his walk. Uh, fasting has been a big part of my story as well. Uh, and I'm not talking about dietary fasting. I'm not talking about intermittent fasting for health reasons. Although scientists have now discovered, wow, this thing is really good for you. Uh, it helps your, your all your numbers and your blood and your pressure and all kinds of good things. But Fasting is entirely foregoing food for the purposes of drawing near to the Lord and seeking the Lord, which is the business of every believer. But here, I don't think it's about fasting. Here, I think it's about Christ Mm -hmm. and about his presence and non-presence, right? And Mm -hmm. a new way of relating to him that these two groups have an old way whether they inherited it from John or the Pharisees, right? They're imitating their rabbis, their teachers. And what he's saying as, as a rabbi, he's a different kind of teacher. Mm. And he's a different kind of presence. His lifestyle that they 
would assume is going to be a different lifestyle. It's not like the old shrunken cloth, and it's not like the old used wineskins. But there's a new way, and they've got to realize that it's it can't be attached to the old way. Mm. Yeah. So the old way of fasting and doing things and relating to God, that doesn't because He's present and He's a new way. Mm, it's good. I don't know. What do you do? That's with that? good, man. I'm thankful that I got you know two thousand years of perspective on this because if I were in that room when He started talking about this, I would have missed it completely, <laughs> man. I really would have. I really would have. He'd been like, "Wait a minute, there's a wedding going on. What are we doing? <laughs> what? Yeah, huh? Wait, because he, I mean, he's talking about this new way, and and you know we're on this side of the cross. We can look back, and we've had yeah. all the explanation. But they're standing there with him, and he's saying, "You know, I'm, I'm don't don't think that the old ways are going to work when the new way comes. Like, what new way are you talking about, Jesus? Like." I, I just I just don't get it. And he's he's talking about flipping the system on its head totally completely. And so I think we just need to approach this and think, okay, what am is there a place in my life where I'm trying to apply something I did before to this new life I have in Christ? Um, he's talking about a turning point in time. Uh, we've all, if we were believers in Jesus, have had a turning point in our life, uh, and so are we. Are we approaching our new life in Christ with uh, maybe maybe looking for His insight into our new way of living, or are we just sort of inheriting a bunch of old ways and trying to make mm-hmm. them make them fit? Yeah, I don't know. So, you know, I think there's something to that. Yeah. I think how often do we do we identify I've got new life in Christ, mm-hmm. but inevitably, whether subconsciously or not, we bring some of the old lifestyle and we try to kind of normalize it into this new identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Old ways of coping with stress, old ways of relating to people that frustrate us. Yeah, I find it's most challenging just with, with family. Like there, there, there were ways in which just kind of growing up, like there's just a way that I knee jerk respond to family members and and friends from long ago, uh, before this new life in Christ. And so it's so easy just to revert because that's what I'm used to. Those are the, those are the neuro pathways, the emotional pathways that I'm used to responding in. And I just kind of chalk it up to you understand, Lord, right? I, I, that's just how we work, right? And yeah, He's calling me to a whole new level of responding, and there's no excuse. The old way is not the right way or the good way. Like He's called me to a whole new. He's flipped the system of yeah. my life on its head. Yeah, that's I like, right. I like the way you say that. Um, all righty. So let's let's pull back, and if you had to, and maybe you already have summarize if there's just one or two major kind of takeaways or brush strokes that you go, okay, based on what I've read today, as I exit and I walk out that door, here's some things I need to bear in mind as I live my life as a follower of Christ, as a dad, as a husband, as a leader. Here's some things I need to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah, that... 
number one takeaway, Jesus changed everything. Mm. That that's it. The the new way under Christ, the old way of the law doesn't work anymore. And in the same token, the new life in Christ versus the old dead self doesn't work anymore. These are two these are two just complete ends of of the universe. And uh we need to be aware of it. Yeah. And Jesus came in order to take us from the old and into the new. And once you're in the new, there's no there's no looking back. Amen. You know, don't take the new and try to sold on the old pair of pants. Get rid of the pants. Go yeah. get some new pants. Yeah. Um then I think I think it uh you know, it should pique someone's interest in fasting. Yeah. Uh a bit because, you know, Jesus clearly the New Testament it was a it was a practice of the early church to fast. Um and but, there's nothing else that God has given us that can foster humility independence like fasting. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's so true. anti-American. Oh, ain't right? that the truth? We yeah. live in a, a time and a place where everything is immediately accessible. Yep. And the moment that we don't get something immediately, we start to get frustrated. We get a little antsy. I, I identify that in my own, my own heart that, and if I have a, a little hunger pain, I'm like, okay, I got to find food or else I might die. Yeah, right, 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 right. And so this kind of consumerism that we're just steeped in, fasting is so contrary to that. That's true. And it's so different in terms of pace. And so, yes, um, I totally You know, it's funny that. you just mentioned. We, we now have a term that justifies treating other people like garbage when we're hungry, you know? You, yeah. heard, the, you heard the term hangry? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I'm just hangry. I can treat everyone like, like yeah, trash I can be mean. and I can be mean to everybody because I just need a, a bar, you know, a, a granola bar. Yeah. Like, come on. No. Really? Yeah, really? That's... You're going to let your hunger pains dictate how you treat other people? Yeah. Like... That just came to mind. And so we created this word, oh, I'm just hungry. And that like gives them this blanket excuse like, oh, that's okay. Yeah, she just just needed a Snickers bar or whatever. (laughs) Like, uh, man, you know, we do. We let food and our our relationship with food dictate everything, how we treat people, how we act, how we feel about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so when you can pull that away, and that's the value of fasting, right? Like you pull that away, and say, you know, I, man does not live on bread alone. I need to live on the word of God. And then you, you turn from these dependence on material things to dependence on the immaterial things. And you, you get hyper fixated on, on, on Jesus. Because, man, I love food as much as the next guy, maybe more. And when you take that away from me, well, then what do I have left? Well, I, I got Jesus. Yeah. Right? So real practically and very briefly... You mentioned earlier your practice of fasting. Mm. Just give me the, just the logistics. How does now? How I, do you fast? I, I, I treat my fast. I'll say this off the top with a lot of grace. Yeah. Uh, because when in when I'm walking my best, I do it. Uh, but you know, there's been times when I've taken months off. There's been times when I've taken years off, and like, oh gosh, I need to implement that practice back. Yeah. Uh, but here's how I do it. I'll pick a day a week. And it needs to be a consistent day so that I don't uh, just put it where I want it to go. So typically it was a Wednesday. Um, I would not eat the entire day and then I would break fast with my family at family dinner. 
Yeah. So Wednesdays, wake up, water, black coffee sometimes, and then not eat the entire day. And so then, then once I got past my coffee, it'd be nothing but water all day until dinner time. And man, I was, you know, that you're feeling uh, it. Oh gosh. Yeah. And that would make me eager to sit down with my family and have a meal. I would, you know, I'd be super excited to be home with my family and eat, um, which is good. That was, that was a good part of it. Um, but man, it, it's hard. Yeah. My, uh, so that was, that was it. And I do it every week. I think that's helpful. Um, and this is is this a seasonal like you do this for a season or you tried to maintain a weekly practice yeah, no, uh, and discipline of fasting weekly practice and discipline okay mine uh, is is pretty similar I, I would take a day of the week um and there there's two ways in which i've approached fasting there's either the kind of regular habit so a weekly habit of a day of the week oftentimes mine was wednesday as well I'd forego breakfast and lunch. And one of the things that I was um, kind of encouraged with early on was to not just go without food, but also to add prayer. Mm. Rarely will you see in the scriptures fasting mentioned without prayer associated with it. Uh, And so the idea that I'm going to forego food, and it it is food. There are some people say, well, I'm going to do a social media fast or I'm going to do whatever fast. Biblically, it always has to do with food. It's foregoing that most basic appetite. And it gives you the strength to, to kind of keep other appetites at bay as well. And so in terms of temptation and sin, there's something about when you keep up and maintain a regular discipline of, of fasting that it allows you to kind of say no to the flesh in other ways. But Mm. I would forego food and in in lieu of a meal, I would I think it's important to set aside time to read a little bit from the word and then replace that time where you would be eating with prayer. So if you think, okay, it normally takes me 15 minutes to eat breakfast, instead of breakfast that day, read a short psalm and pray and for 15 minutes and just be with the Lord or put on your, your uh, headphones and listen to some worship music and pray and just spend time with the Lord and seeking him in lieu of a meal and do that again uh, at lunch. Sometimes if I have uh, another brother who's going to fast with me, so if you and I were going to fast together, yeah. I'd say, hey, let's, let's start the day independently and let's do some time on our own. But at lunch, Let's let's get together. Let's read a passage and let's pray together instead of eating lunch, or let's call each other wherever we are and let's let's read a passage. Let's pray, and so not just foregoing food, but also replacing it with seeking the Lord and feasting on time with the Lord. I think is a healthy thing. And so, if you're new to this practice, you might just try one meal: forego breakfast, or forego lunch, or forego dinner, and instead of that meal. Find yourself a nice quiet place that you can be alone with the Lord and read a short passage of the Bible and respond to the Lord. He's spoken to you through his word and then you have a conversation with him. Respond back through prayer. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. That's good. Good stuff. I would naturally pray more because I was starving. You know, like I think the fasting is like naturally put you in a plate of like, why am I so weak? uh, Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So the fasting will just do what it does and it turns your heart to prayer. It does. Um, Man, because I I love food. Everybody does. And and the reason people recoil at the idea of fasting is because they don't want to give up eating. And so if your gut reaction is, nah, 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 I can't do that. Wait, 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 investigate that a little bit. Why? Yeah. You really, you, you will not die. You won't die yeah. going 12 hours without food. It won't. You won't. And there's some people with dietary, like hypoglycemia or whatever, and you need to take that into account and consult your doctor first. Yeah, of course. Obviously. Of course. But you're right. Uh, if you miss a meal, usually you're going to be okay. You'll be all right. And you'll be all right. You'll bounce back. Yeah. But uh, Chet, thanks so much for coming on. Always, man. Uh, what a joy to be in the Word with you today. And uh, continue uh, to fight the good fight out there. I'm excited to hear and just observe what happens in your life around leadership. Thank you, man. And the Lord's Thank doing you. something, and usually He's doing a work in order to prepare you for a new season. And so excited for you. I can't wait. Can't okay. wait. Thanks for joining the Take and Read podcast again. If you have any questions for Chet and I, I know I'm a little backlogged right now, but I will catch up on answering your questions. So please don't hesitate to email. You will hear back from me at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, also, I don't have, I'm not wearing it now. I'm rocking the day tripper hat, but I do have some Take and Read Podcast hats remaining. Uh, just a handful of them left. You can go to 22beans.com. Uh, the hats are for sale there. And uh, while you're there, grab some coffee. That's, that's what's in my mug today, 22 Beans. Love their coffee. So grateful for their support of this podcast. And if you want other people to hear about us, the best way is to share this podcast with people. Uh, you can subscribe. You can like. You can do all of that stuff. And it helps other people um, find us. So please, uh, thank you for your support. And have a great day. Fight on deals, y'all.